Welcome to Economically Speaking, the information podcast designed to bring you the latest economic development news in the town and the surrounding area, hosted by Babylon IDA CEO Tom Dolan. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome another episode of Economically Speaking. I'm your host, Tom Dolan, and I'm here with a special guest, friend. Uh, he's been here before. It's Matt McDonough of McDonough PLLC. Uh, Matt is the former CEO of the Town of Babylon IDA and currently serves as the agency counsel. Uh, as our guest, as uh, Matt, I think we talked a long time ago, you you even wanted to be a history teacher at one point, right? I did. I did, and I didn't become one, and I'm here now. So. Right. So Matt is, uh, again, the former CEO of the IDA, uh, my mentor as I took on the role of the CEO. Uh, but now he's uh, our legal counsel for the IDA. And Matt, do you want to say anything about what you're doing today? Well, it's been an interesting start to 2022. Um, the Marijuana Regulation Tax Act is... Uh, up and running. The Cannabis Board got constituted at the near the end of last year. Um, the Town of Babylon is one of the few municipalities on Long Island that uh, is going to be allowing retail and on-site consumption. Um, you know, and we're excited to roll out our, our regulations on that, work with the Cannabis Board and Cannabis Industry. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, I think, a part of, you know, something the IDAs will incentivize and be a part of that narrative as things roll on uh, with that. But, you know, 2022, again, with the IDAs, it's also been prevailing wage as a new thing. Sure. sure. Uh, so we're, uh, we're monitoring that, seeing how that's working. Um, and a lot of the larger housing projects that we may have incentivized in the past are now going to be subject to that prevailing wage law. Sure. So sure. that's going to mean good uh, paying jobs on those sites. Not that there wasn't before, but, you know, it's going to make sure that there's a standard there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, we'll be a part of helping to roll that out as well. Absolutely. Okay. And we and again, we look forward to these things. But for the purposes of today, we wanted to, you know, we, we had heard from our listening audience. We talked about being educational as part of the podcast. But we want to talk about IDAs. We want to talk maybe a little bit about why and how they were formed and um, how that relates to from 50 plus years ago to today and kind of let everyone know what we're doing here in the community. So the industrial development agencies throughout the state, like you said, Tom, they're five decades old. Uh, We know what has worked in the past, and, you know, it's the same formula and the same reason that they were created is the reason why they're still here. Hmm. Um, Taxes on Long Island, taxes throughout New York State are high. We typically rank in the bottom of the 50 states for business competitiveness. The IDA helps businesses that are here or looking to locate here, it gives them a reason to come or stay. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to compete with other states. They have lax rules on labor. They have lax rules on workplace safety. They have lax rules on a whole host of other things. Their utilities are cheaper. Their taxes are lower. Um, and so are their wages. So that goes into the calculus of what a business decides to to locate somewhere and you know we've been in this long enough to know that there's other incentives they'll give they'll rename towns after the company i mean right you know there it's not only about free land and cheap utilities but it's also you know a uh, a real banner waving attempt to get somebody in we can't do that 
in New York, but we can help the business owner get to a, a number that's realistic on taxes. So we reduce real property taxes if someone is investing into the community. We reduce uh, sales tax for two years for construction purposes, and we also abate the mortgage recording tax, a portion of it. Those financial incentives spread over 12 or 15 years of the life of the pilot, which is the real estate tax abatement, um, are an important financial incentive to those businesses to stay. But it's not just done in a vacuum. There's other cost, a cost benefit analysis for us as the fiduciary to look at. How many jobs are they creating? How many jobs are they retaining? What's the salary of those jobs? If those jobs leave the state, these people are going to be unemployed. There's an impact to that. Um, what's the investment in the building itself? Sure. I think we said it probably on the three previous times I've been here. <laughs> uh, I'm, I think I'm the record keeper, and I will stay at that level and pace for some time, I'm sure. But it's Farmingdale, um, which was really post-World War II industrial our new Planned Industrial Park, New Horizons, which sits between Wellwood and New Highway, are newer buildings, but it itself is now 30 to 40 years old. Sure. It's dated. Right. Um, same thing with the industrial areas in Deer Park. Uh, when they got built out, they're in about the 70s. When buildings get that old, they need investment. You know, you want to attract other people to stay, and you want the assessed value of the town to increase. Because right. that's what the bond rating agencies, how we borrow and make money, and you know, take care of the great parks we have here in the town of Ballon, take care of the great beaches, right. all the amenities the town takes pride in. Um, that a lot of that's done through bonding. And Wall Street doesn't care about how much taxes are now. They want to know how much you can tax in the future and that their bonds would be paid off if, you know, push comes to shove. And that's where the assessed value, the assessed value base of the town comes in. And by us coming in and having these people rehab and occupy the buildings because occupancy is another thing if you're on the block where there's a vacant building you have a pretty good case for a, a tax you know devaluation sure. on your end so those three financial incentives again when you when you uh, annualize them over the 15 years of the pilot it really is not much compared to what we're saving and we do that cost benefit analysis so we can show you um, but the reality of it is, particularly with the jobs, how do you value a job? Hmm. How do you value somebody's uh, employment and, and, and ability to go to work? So there's some intangibles with it as well. And I think you talked about that in the past too, you know, a job. That's a, someone who's able to go home, pay their bills, pay their mortgage, raise a family, and keep them here on Long Island. Uh, the other thing you talked about, and I think people can probably best relate to a devaluation is if you know you had a boarded up home in your community yeah, no, exactly. you know it's the same with a building so there is a, a multiplier effect that yeah. you've talked about in the past too yeah. even with the bond rating and, and what the town's able to do 100%. So. I mean and you know the uh, companies that we've retained are great corporate neighbors are great corporate stewards um, they donate to the wounded warrior project when we have our soldier right here in the town of Babylon every year we continue to break the last year's number um, they are sponsors of different types of community events that we hold throughout the town. Um, and any time where there's been some type of uh, catastrophe, we've always reached out to them 
and they've supported us. But obviously, COVID-19 uh, has hit businesses hard, it's hit businesses in different ways. If you weren't marked essential, you were initially closed. Some of our industrial clients maybe were able to pivot and were, you know, uh, producing uh, face masks. They were producing um, hand sanitizer. They donated those yep. Uh, yep. during the during COVID to us, and then we distributed it throughout the town. The face shields. Uh, there was a requirement that barbers, when they first came back in, had to have face shields. So, one of our uh, great uh, corporations that we have in the Plant Industrial Park and New Highway, uh, Harris L Three, they donated those face shields. We gave over a thousand face shields to barbers throughout the town of Babylon, so they could open up in compliance and open up safely. Uh, the hand sanitizer we gave out to uh, the municipalities so that they could have stations inside and do some of the distribution to local residents. So there were people who were able to step up during COVID-19, but there were also people who got hit hard by COVID-19. Yep. And we, we, as the IDA, created different programs. The FCAP, which is abbreviated for Fraternal and Civic Organization Assistant Program, the EAP, which is Emergency Assistance Program. Um, those were direct loans and grants, mainly they were all grants, um, to businesses and uh, not-for-profit uh, entities in the town to apply. We distributed hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in direct grants. We participated in the New York Loan Forward Program. We gave seed money to the National Development Council. So it was distributing PP. E, it was distributing funds that we had in reserves, and it was um, working with others to sort of coordinate and help businesses however much we needed. And it, it was a big response. The IDA is the one who helped with that. It was IDA businesses who supported it, and some had to take advantage of it as well. Sure. So we were, we were open up not just to our own clients, but to uh, businesses in the downtown. Um, you know, we had various programs and information, and we used our staff to get that information out as best we could. Those are now being carried out by the town. Mm -hmm. The town received American Rescue Plan money, uh, also known as ARPA, in its metro city allocation, and we have run a direct support program that was based on what we did with FCAP and EAP. It is a $49,500 grant, and you have to meet a certain rubric of criteria. You submit your uh, 2019 and 2020 tax returns. That might change in the upcoming year, uh, what you need to submit, but uh, the last round, which has now been closed, we're probably going to open up the next round in May, hopefully. Uh, you would be eligible for $49,500 if you hit those certain items of the rubric, filled out the application, and provided the information that is requested. Um, and we've also come up with another programmatic type things that we'll be rolling out now in the new year and pretty excited about. And that's money that came from uh, that President Biden, of course, uh, put before the Congress, got passed early in the administration. And it is, you know, looking back, an important program because home rule localities, they're the boots on the ground. They know where things are going. They have the shovel-ready projects. It's not this top-heavy program where nobody knows where the money's going or anything like that. It's very transparent, very upfront, and we're working hard on making sure our businesses who got you know rocked by COVID are getting the assistance they need. We think with these programs we'll be rolling out, there'll be a great deal of investment into the town, into the business infrastructure, so we're excited about that. 
Um, so, you know, we're rolling along, sure. and uh, it's been a pretty exciting few months. Yeah. No, people, they, you know, we, we hear it all the time, you know, working in government and, you know, oh, the government spending, but let me tell you, if there's ever a time for government to step up and, and do these types of programs and spend money, now is definitely the time yeah. if you want to keep things, you know, right. at a certain level. There's, there's, no yeah, there's definitely the effects of COVID itself. We need to ameliorate those. Um, the, the other part is it is a bit history-based too. So after the Great Recession, the largest employers, if they if you put them all together, are localities, states, and local municipal governments. I mean, it's just a massive payroll. Um, as tax revenues started declining because mortgages were not being issued as much because of the Great Recession, properties became vacant, so real property taxes plummeted. The way that local government sort of collects its money and, and operates was dissipating. At the same time, costs were rising because people are coming on for more social benefits. So to, to, to balance budgets, there was a massive layoff of those employees. And you felt that second wave of the recession in like 14, 15, that was really a contribution of all those localities feeling the effects, either having to tighten in budgets and firing people or reducing social benefits. So ARPA, in a way, looks back to that and says you can use this money to prevent that from happening, because we don't want to feel a second wave recession from you know government unemployment, government employees being unemployed, or social benefits being curtailed. So, sure. so yeah, I knew there'd be a little bit of history here. There you so, go. There we go. But but it is. It's so important. So, let's get back a little bit to talking about you know the IDAs here on Long Island a little bit. We have uh, there's eight of us here on the island. And again, I've heard, uh, you know, people think that we compete with one another, but we, we kind of support one another for the good of the region, you know. Correct. But maybe we could talk about yeah. our process and yeah. what kind of happens. I think even before you get to that, I think this is an interesting stat from the controller in his 2021 report. So he looks at all IDAs throughout the area. Right. Um, not just Long Island, but just not the area, the oh, whole entire state. Yep. yep. And Long Island, when you look at it as a region, we are the top performer. Uh, we had 853 projects. Those 853 projects resulted in 47,000 net jobs gained and over 800 million, 800 million invested in the region. That's significant. Sure. Because you take those numbers, there's going to be a multiplier effect to those. Absolutely. Uh, we did that a few years ago with what the projects we did, I think a five-year window. Mm -hmm. And we look back at what the multiplier effect is. Farmingdale State University did it for us. Uh, Richard Vogel, who was the dean of the business school, made a presentation. And from that indirect and direct support, you realize how much of an effect it has on the what we call the gross domestic product for the town of Babylon what that multiplier was. And we had you know, X amount of uh, projects and X amount of investment, and it was a significant, significant amount of economic activity driven by the IDA businesses. I think it was something that we were proud of as an agency, but we were sure. also the businesses that are part of that this community, we call them our clients, they're, uh, they're just as proud of that effect as well. Absolutely. Let's just kind of get into 
what we do a little bit if we can, just as far as we talked about the types of benefits we offer a business owner, but there's a process. People sometimes yeah. think that we're operating in a vacuum, but yeah. let's talk about the transparency and what we do to make sure that, you know, yeah. we get that message out there. So, you know, only industrial housing and um, commercial type industries are qualified for the benefits that I described earlier. A retail business isn't. Mm -hmm. There are exceptions to that if it's a tourist destination or something of that nature. Um, but mainly we're, we're really hitting these high paying, uh, these high paying jobs and high paying sectors um, and also looking for construction investment and that those people who are working have a place to live. Sure. So that's our environment that we work in. Those folks would meet with us first. We'd go over what the project is. And then we would in, you know, send them a letter of intent explaining this process that I'm about to lay out. Uh, but that process starts after the letter of intent. You'd fill out an application. The application's quite detailed. Uh, more likely than not, you're going to have to retain counsel uh, to proceed. It's usually done with a, um, either a refinance or a purchase of a building. So there's going to be some type of bank closing that will eventually end up at. But after that uh, application comes in with the information that we're also seeking, it's reviewed by the staff. The staff performs a community, uh, excuse me, a uh, cost benefit analysis. That application and that cost benefit analysis is then made public um, through the website and through a public hearing that's noticed through Newsday. Um, prior to that public hearing happening, we would have an inducement resolution. Our meetings are live streamed, and then they're available on YouTube after. Uh, that's a requirement of state law, but it's also part of the transparency that we're trying to, you know. Mm -hmm. And maybe we could just mention we do report. We do have a board. We have a board of directors. That and right. when you when I'm talking about these resolutions, it's approved by a board of directors. That's correct. That board of directors is appointed by the town, um, and they serve a one-year term, and are subject to approval by the town. So. You know, they are an independent board. We don't pay them. Um, you know, they're, they're here just to review those projects. So they receive a vetting um, and the application. They take a look at it themselves and then they give the initial inducement yep. um, so that lenders and stuff know that we are on that path. Then the public hearing happens. It's an opportunity for the public to submit comments. Um, they can comment on the application, on what's going on. We take those comments, we make it a part of the record, and that is another thing the board takes into consideration. They uh, read through those comments, and they look through the application, and they see whether it's merited or not. And then they render a decision at the final uh, board meeting. And then once that's in, it's like a regular real estate transaction. There's a lease, lease back type situation um, where we take a leasehold interest in the property and then lease it to the company, back to the company. And by us being in the chain of title, that top property is tax exempt. They pay some non-abated portions of taxes, mainly special districts like garbage and water. And then we enter into a pilot agreement with that, uh, with that individual company. And that pilot agreement lasts for 12 or 15 years. And that's how long they're with the IDA. Correct. No, that's important, and uh, I think 
this is a good good segment for us to do because we we've talked about these things, but I think to be a little bit more specific is going to help the listening audience a little bit to oh, let yeah. us know the process. And uh, as you know too, Matt, we with some of the projects. I mean, we've gone out in front. We've talked to the community. We've done even. You know, we, we've expanded our role as far yeah. as what we need to do to make sure that we're being transparent. There's been plenty of times where we sat down with the business superintendent or the board of um, the school district to give them, uh, you know, a rundown of the project. Um, we talked with uh, different uh, civic groups and chambers of commerce um, about larger projects. You know, we we're interested to see what people think um, and what their feedback is. We try to incorporate that. Um, but our job is economic development. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our fiduciary responsibility is to weigh those issues, but that one set of issues can't block that project. It can help inform and maybe change things, but in reality, you know, we need to constantly think about improving our industrial space, creating housing for those people who are looking to move here. We want jobs in the town of Africa. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're an important part of the Long Island economy. The 110 corridor runs through the town. It's the largest jobs corridor in Long Island, on Long Island. Right. And um, that's a result of the IDA. That's the work of proper economic planning that we've done over decades now. Sure. And I think we're really fulfilling what the initial intent of the IDAs were when they were created over 50 years ago. So. Absolutely. And, and again, just talking about the study that was done with Farmingdale State College. Yeah. That was huge. And it, and it, it, it really, I mean, it opened our eyes also, you know, I remember uh, as we looked at those numbers. I mean, yeah. we knew they'd be good, but we didn't know how good, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, I want to go quickly back to one of your questions about the critiques of IDA sort of competing with each other a race to the bottom. I don't, I don't agree with that. Hmm. Um, it's very easy, I think, to point to IDAs and say uh, they're just competing with one another. NASA's taking from Suffolk or vice versa. Um, but I think most businesses, particularly on the retention side, they're looking to stay. And we need to give them a reason to stay. Mm -hmm. Because once those jobs leave, they don't come back. I think I did talk about this on the first one. But, you know, Grumman, large-scale employer, they leave... It takes decades to get back to where you need to be. Sure. Um, so I think you need to be proactive in your economic development. But just on that point of us competing with one another, I don't see it mainly because I was involved with the IDAs um, and we used to have coalition meetings. You know, there's eight of us on the island. We'd all meet all the heads. We'd talk about what was going on, what was affecting IDAs, how we could better serve. Um, we're part of the New York State EDC, which is all the IDAs throughout the state. Um, and there's never a competition. There's never, oh, you know, we got to guard ours and protect ours. There's this information sharing. Right. You know, there is this, you know, doesn't really apply here in Babylon, but I just saw EDC is going to be having a, um, a webinar on, you know, agricultural economic development and how you can better implement strategies for that. Sure. So we're learning from one another. Absolutely. You know, different places have, are in different, um, you know, in different cycles of economic development. What has worked, what hasn't. Um, and you gain a lot from that. You gain as much from people who have done well for people who are struggling as well. Sure. What are the new type of ideas people are thinking about? 
So, you know, the competition thing, I just think it's, um, it's, it's easy to point to because it seems so obvious, but it just doesn't exist. Sure. No, I, I agree with that. And, uh, again, we'll be going up to Albany at the end of this month. And uh, like you said, you sit, you, you go to these breakout sessions and you sit with other IDAs. There's 109 in New York State. And we have an opportunity to sit with them and learn from one another and talk about, you know, the trends and things that will be coming down the road for us. And uh, it's always positive. It really is. It's always positive. Mm. Matt, I want to thank you for coming in today. Thank and you. And sharing a little bit. Uh, we wanted to touch base with our listening audience and uh, just kind of introduce them to, you know, a little bit more in-depth look at the IDA and what we do here. Again, I could think of no one better than to have Matt McDonough, our uh, counsel, counselor at law. Uh, we appreciate you being here. And again, everyone, my name is Tom Dolan. You've been listening to Economically Speaking. Have a great day, everyone. This episode of Economically Speaking Podcast was brought to you by the Town of Babylon IDA. To find out more information about today's topic, our guest, or to simply stay connected, please visit the show notes where you'll find all the relevant links.